0: Crossroads fam, glad that you're here with us Uh, We're continuing our series of Committed, Uh, we took songs from the group Committed that they sang on the sing-off and turned them into Bible studies. This week we're doing a Backstreet Boys song and uh, it's a different way to look at what that song says. You know, when you put God in the middle of something, it always changes it So thank you for being a part of this and welcome to I Want It That Way You are musical groups that my wife has really just kind of swooned over. First one, of course, was New Kids on the Block and then the Backstreet Boys. And she really likes them. I'm surprised she hadn't said, hey guess what, I bought us tickets to go see them in Birmingham, because they're coming in Birmingham in a couple of weeks or months or whatever. And they have just released a new CD or album or 8-track or whatever's released now. But anyway, that song, uh, it, it's fun. Backstreet Boys were fun. Um, I don't know. I'm an old man, so it's just kind of cheesy to me. But I enjoy listening to music, very talented. Um, and the lead singer is a follower of Christ, so that's cool too. Um, but listening to that song, uh, it took me to a different place when I started listening to it differently. Now, we talk a lot of times about you're not to just look at someone's outward appearance and think that you understand what's going on with them. And we spoke about that this morning with the football team, that just because someone appears to be, a certain way where they appear to be mean where they appear to be nice there's something different once you get to know who they truly are and so God even gave that uh, instruction to Samuel when Samuel was put in charge of finding a replacement king for King Saul he went to Jesse and when he got to Jesse he said I need to see all your sons and so as each son would come out he would look at him and go you're a big son you've got to be the one and God would say no And God says, don't judge on the outward appearance. God looks on what's on the inside. And so what I want us to do is we think of this song instead of just looking at it differently. Let's hear it differently. What would the message be if we were to hear it through the ears of God? If maybe it was a conversation that you and God were having. Because when you hear this song, of course, you hear heartbreak. You hear a longing for someone to stay. You hear of a hope that a relationship would not end. But if we listen to it through the ears of God, if we if we put God in the middle of that song, and that's the beautiful thing about a lot of music. Now, some of the stuff we listen to, like we said last week, I would not put God in the middle of it because it's so disgraceful. But there are so many songs that you could take and just you put God in the middle of it and it becomes something completely different. And as we hear this song, honestly, what I get from this song when I hear it is a battle that we all face. It's a battle between should I? Or should I not? It's the battle of do I do what's right because it's right? Or do I do what's right because I'm made to? Or do I choose not to do what's right because I just want to be that way? Take your Bibles if you would and turn to Matthew. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 26 and just let it marinate there for a little bit. There's something that I believe is put inside of every believer. Those of you that have chosen to follow Christ, those of you that said, I realize that I have a life that is full of sin, that I have turned my back on what God has called me to be. And you have taken that step and said, God, I want to receive you as my Savior. Christ, I want you to come into my life and make me whole. You have got to that place where you realize that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can you can work your magic of any kind to fix the hurt that's going on inside. And you find that that peace can only be found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that to me is one of the most beautiful concepts is the fact that the creator of all of everything, the creator of all desires to have a relationship with us. And that's part of the the purpose for his son, Jesus Christ, coming to earth. So we might develop a relationship with him and join uh, in eternity when our time comes. And that relationship is one of the neatest things. In developing that relationship, though, a lot of times we come to find out that the things that we've truly desired for so long aren't that important anymore. And when you become a follower of Christ, God puts something in you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and that Holy Spirit corrects you. It directs you. It gives you hints. It gives you leanings on what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. And a lot of times we find ourselves doing what we should do because we know if we don't, we get in trouble. Is anybody that way? You do what you're supposed to do because if not, you know you'll get in trouble. Anyone? How many of y'all are driving? If you drive a car or a tractor, if you drove your tractor tonight, why do you do the speed limit occasionally? (laughs) The 5-0 will roll up. Yeah. Probably not that bad. I exaggerate a great deal. But Yeah. And the thing is, is we its like I'm not obeying this because it's the right thing to do. I don't want to get in trouble. You did the same thing with your parents, though. I mean, you did the same thing with your parents. I did, and they—you know—I still got in a great deal of trouble. But my father, he would say, "Now, when you get in from work, boy, why don't you go up there and split some firewood?" Yes, sir. And so, I, as soon as his truck started pulling in the driveway, I'd take off running to the woods, <laughs> try to split firewood. He'd come up and go. How long have you been home? Oh. <laughs> Not long, Dad. Really, what happened to school bus? You're usually here about an hour. Well, I always spend about an hour, so you've got one piece of wood cut. <laughs> it was a really hard piece of wood, Dad. I wanted to do what was right because I was afraid of getting in trouble. If we get in trouble, I don't know what happens to you when you get in trouble. Your parents might go, no, no. My parents, I got up off the floor if I got in trouble. And, and there's no doubt about it. And that's not brutality or anything. That's good old country raising. You know what? I don't pop off to adults because I did one time. And when I got up, I was like, okay that was wrong don't say that to mom <laughs> didn't even want to think about dad doing something but a lot of times in our relationships we find that the things that we've desired in the past no longer we desire when Jessica and I developed a relationship we started dating and I you know a good bit about me I'm a big country music fan not at all I don't listen to country music until I met Jessica And then I bought Travis Tritt and Bubba Earl Clementine and Billy Bob Cypress and all them country singers. And I would listen to that stuff and we would go to country concerts and rodeos. I hated it every second of it except I loved being around her. And so the things that I like, Run, DMC, Fat Boys, it, you know, that's where I was. And she was like, I don't really listen to rap. <laughs> I go to a Christian school. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we would listen every night to Holy, Holy, Holy. Just kidding. I love you, Jessica. <laughs> but but I wanted to do what she wanted to do, not because I was afraid of getting in trouble. She ain't going to get me in trouble. I'm a grown man. Even then, I was grown. I, we started a day when I was like 98, 99, something like that. So I'm Benjamin Buttons, so I'm going backwards. Anyway, we... I wasn't afraid of that. I just wanted to do what was right in her sight. I wanted her to be happy. And then the desires that I had turned to more of I wanted to do it, not just because she's happy, but because I genuinely cared. And then we got to the (laughs) love. And when that word first came out of my mouth, it was the first time I'd really said it and never truly meant it. And from that moment, my desire to do what was good for her, what made her happy was not because I wanted her to be happy. It was because I loved her. But a lot of times in our life, we find that our desire to do what God has commanded is because we're afraid of punishment. And in saying that, I think a lot of times we're not afraid to go against what God says because we don't know that there truly is a punishment. For a lot of us, we have the question in our mind, well, what would he really do? I mean, I read in the Bible where it says that he killed people on the spot. Hey, you sold some property. How much money did you get? Oh, $1.78. Oh, there's $3 under your pillow. Bam! And you're dead. There, there are cases in the Bible where you see this happen because they were lying, because they weren't trusting God, because they weren't doing what God said. An immediate punishment. Yet we walk around today like nothing's ever going to happen. But the same God that was is the same God that And if He chooses to, He can finish it right now. So our thoughts of why we would do what God says needs to get to a different place. Not because of fear, not because of obligation, not because of anything other than the fact that we love Him. And that's what our relationship with God needs to be growing into. It needs to be one of these things where the reason we do it is because we love. But a lot of times in our relationships, there's two sides to our relationship. I loved being around Jessica. I loved being around her family. I endured country music. But as soon as she got out of my, what car was that? Luna. Chevrolet Luna. Big pimping in the two-door. Well, hey, yeah. So anyway, as soon as she got out of the car and I got out of the, her, her driveway, Run DMC was spitting fire. I was a different person. Not that I was going around like, I don't know, running over puppies or anything. I don't know. Uh, but it wasn't me. I wasn't going to sit there and listen to Travis Tritt on the way home. Because he was ugly. I saw him in concert one time. He looked like a seal. He had tight clothes. It was worse than looking at me. So anyway, I didn't do that. I was a different person. And a lot of times we're kind of two different people because there's a side of us that wants to do what's right, that genuinely wants to do what's right. But then there's the other part of us that just doesn't. It goes back to Tom and Jerry, right? We talk about Tom and Jerry a good bit because I'm a child. But Tom and Jerry, there's always that cartoon where Tom is like going to kill Jerry. And there's this little angel that pops up on the show and goes, Oh no, Thomas. Don't kill Jerry. He's a sweet little mouse. And then all of a sudden, the devil pops up. Get him. Eat him. Filet him. Splay him out and cook him like cooey. That's for you, Jessica. She's guinea pig. Anyway. There's those two different sides. There's that part of us that truly desires, And I believe everyone that genuinely follows Christ has a desire to do what he says. But there's a human side of us, too, that struggles. I don't know. Do you struggle? I struggle because I, man, school traffic. Come on. School traffic. Bruh. Mm. Somebody blew their horn at me hard the other day. Now, like, hey, brother Kenny, is like, fuck! And I was like, what in the frankincense and myrrh is that? And I turned and look, and there's this truck about the size of this building. And I was like, good gosh, even in my Jeep, my Jeep's jacked up a little. This big old brother, like, and I could see something going on in the window. I didn't know if it was his finger, I, I'm not sure. And so I pulled out on the Highway 31 because that's what I was supposed to do. And I pulled out on 31, and I looked, and all I could see was headlights. His headlights over my, my spare tire. And I was like, bro, you get any closer, you're going to find out what I had for dinner last night. You needed to back up. And I'm like, I'm a grown man. Don't come play with me because I'm a big Sissy. So I I really didn't want any trouble. So I just kind of slowed down and he whipped out around me and pulled up beside me and rolled down his windows. He said, hey, I just want you to know you're number one. He did it with a different finger and different words. But he got his message across. that He wasn't pleased with the way that I was driving at the time. Now, me being the sensitive, caring person I am, I said, oh, God bless you. May God shine upon you. No, I was like, I tell you what, you pull over, bro. You're going to find out what's wrong. Not that I would, I was driven by and go, mmm, something like that. But I was so Irish during the moment. I was like, I tell you, you pull over, I'll give you a lucky charm. You know, I was that mad. And I get to church and I walk in downstairs and I slam the office door. And Miss Jan's like, well, good morning, Brother Kenny. Yeah, whatever. Brother James comes out, he said, boy, are you okay? He's said, get in your office. You know, I was like, I got to have confession. We don't do confession, but I got to confess, I'm going to kill somebody tonight. There again, overreacting a great deal. But there's that part of me that wants to be that at times but then there's the other part of me that says you can't do that and it's not because you're a minister it's not because you work at West End it's not because you've got a son that's embarrassed by you most of the time anyway you've got a wife that you know hey don't you need to go on a mission trip or something it's not because of any of that it's because God loves me and I didn't even be loving him and showing that there's love in me that goes beyond circumstance But there's that human side of us that gets in the way a lot of times. We feel God tugging at our heart. We feel God pushing us in a direction. There's someone that we know we need to be having a conversation with, a Christian conversation, a gospel conversation about, finding out what's going on in their life. Yet there's that other side of us. But what what will they think? What will my friends say? I mean, that's not the normal crew I roll with. I don't normally sit by that person. I haven't spoken to that person all school year. God, you don't understand. I'm under a lot of pressure because I'm this, because I'm that. And God's just saying, hey, I just want you to talk to Him. And there's that part of us that says, I know I need to, but I just can't. And I want you to understand, that's wrong. But I also do want you to understand, that happened with Jesus Christ and His disciples. Um... What I say, Matthew twenty-six, verse forty-one, please. A little bit louder. I didn't hear that. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Thank you, sir. That Bible verse is one of those verses that I think would apply to all of us at times. Now, you got to understand this is when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he took some disciples with him. And as he was going back deeper to pray into his place where he was getting away from everyone, when you want to have that personal relationship relationship, conversation. It's not done in a group. It's done one-on-one. Guys, when you find that special someone and you want to talk to them about something serious, you don't do it in a group of 70 plus. You do it in a one-on-one conversation. Ladies, when you want to have that conversation with that young man and you you realize that life has gotten different and we're truly in love, we're not in light like we're in love. We're going to talk about marriage and we already planning how many children we're going to have and what color our white picket fence is going to be. <laughs> So we already playing all that. And when you want to have that conversation, it's not broadcast. It's done on one-on-one. I almost vomit, barf, puke, whatever you want to say. When there are couples that get on social media and go, I just want you to know I love you. You mean the world to me. Send. <laughs> like they in the same house where you go going and go, hey, we cool? All right, rock. I don't know. That's just weird to me. When I want to tell my wife how much I love her, I don't go, Oh, Jessica, I love you. Because she would throw up. I do that on a one-on-one. And when you're wanting to have that conversation with Christ, when you're wanting to have that that relationship with Christ, it's a one-on-one thing. And when Christ wanted to talk to His Father, it wasn't done in a public forum. He went deeper into the garden. And as He goes into the garden, He turns to His disciples and says, I need y'all to pray. Now, this is loosely translated in the Kenny Martin version. He said, I need y'all to pray. What's about to go down, y'all cannot understand, but I just, I got to go talk to Dad. I need y'all to pray. And his disciples said, no problem. We can pray. Now, they've been going through a great deal. They've been, they'd been you know, struggling through a lot of stuff. Been going on. They just sat and had the Lord's Supper with him, the last supper, the final time they would eat with Christ. And he had told them that this was going to be it, but they still, they didn't, it didn't register with him. And so as Jesus goes off to pray, it says the disciples fell asleep. Now, if Jesus Christ personally walked up to you and said, I want you to go talk, and put his arm around you and said, that person right there, what would you do? I mean, Jesus Christ. And when he does this, you see a, a hole in his hand. You can see light coming through. You know it's the Savior. You know it's the one that rose from the dead. If he's got his arm around you and he says, I want you to go talk to them, I doubt many of you are going, to go, nah, man, pass. I would, but I don't really like Brian Smith. He smells like campfire all the time. He works for the forestry department and he just, mm, he listens to country music probably. <laughs> I just, Jesus. If Jesus was standing right there with us, I think we would all do our very best. And here are his disciples, men that have given up everything in their life to follow Christ. For three years, they had surrendered everything that they were, left their families, left their jobs, left everything that they knew to follow Christ. Yet, and when it came time, they couldn't do it. And Christ comes back and says, guys, wake up. I need you to pray. And he goes back and prays some more. He comes back there to sleep again. This happened several times. And the last time he came to him, he says, you need to stay awake. Your body is will or your your spirit is willing, but your body is weak. Um I'm gonna read it out NIV. Somebody got NIV? Got it pulled up? Got it, never mind. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And I think that's one of the things that we could probably all understand. There have been times that we know we shouldn't do certain things, yet we find ourselves telling ourselves don't do it, and we go right ahead into it. Whether it's something we're watching on the Internet, whether it's a conversation we're having with someone, whether it's a dating relationship and you know you're going too far, but you're like, eh, just can't stop. Or maybe you're like me and there's like this biscuit calling you in the the kitchen. Kenny, I'm buttery. Yeah, and you're like, come on, biscuit. And your sugar is going, don't eat. You, Kenny, you're fat. <laughs> your blood sugar is top K syrup. You don't need anything else tonight. And there's that part of me, that spiritual side of me, that goes, Dear God, help me not eat everything. Just a couple things. And I'll justify whatever my action is because. There's something inside of me that says, well, if I do just a little bit and in my feeble Kenny Martin mind, I have to believe that these disciples, as Christ was telling them, stay awake and pray. Watch and pray. Please just pray for me. There's something in my feeble mind that says there had to be at least one disciple that was like Kenny. He said, man, we've been busy. We've been we ain't got no car. We walk everywhere we go. I ain't had a bed to sleep in in three years. Your boy's tired. Okay, yeah, Jesus, we're going to pray. Just go on, go on, we're going to pray. But before I pray, I'm going to tell you just five minutes now. And we justify our actions because I've had a hard day or because, oops, I accidentally stepped into sin. Don't play that game. Don't play that game. I didn't, I didn't mean to. This is God that we're talking about. And even when the disciples with God... With Jesus Christ, fully God, when He said, I need you to do this, their body said no, even though they knew they should. And to me, what that brings us back to is an Indian proverb that was told to us years ago. I heard it from uh, several pastors throughout the years, but it was about a black dog and a white dog. And this, this old Indian man, um, he, he sat down with his tribe. And there was, there was discourse between the tribe. The tribe was fighting with each other. And as they were fighting, he's the oldest one, so he would be the wise one. And he sits down and they, they have, I guess you call it a powwow. Everyone gathered around and he was to speak to everyone. And so it's divided. you got this side that didn't like something, this side that was for it. And as he sits there with it, he said, today before us, we have a black dog and a white dog. And he said, in the white dog is everything that is right, everything that is good, everything that is pure. But in the black dog is everything that is wrong, everything that is evil, everything that is bad. And he said, my question to my tribe is, which dog will you feed the most? Because which dog you feed the most will be the dog that wins. And I think we've got to approach our life similar to that. There are things that we need to be feeding ourselves, whether it's feeding ourselves more good to stay away from bad, or whether it's just not enduring bad so we can stay good. There's, a, there's something that pulls us in different directions. We know we should, but this is tempting. I know I need this, but my social group says this. I know this is more important, but I've got to be a part of this. And I think we all fit into the category where sometimes that takes precedence. Our perspective on what's important gets shifted around based on what our social atmosphere is. But there's going to come a time when we have to answer And I'll be 100 with you right now. I'm scared to death when I stand before God because I don't have a lot of answers for what I did. And a lot of times our answers come back to, I don't know why. And after 20-something years, 25-plus years of working with teenagers, I've heard, I don't know, probably more than you can imagine. I had a teenager that got pulled over. He's going 98 into 25. Yeah, that's impressive. It's wrong. Don't do that. So I walked up to him and said, Bruh, I said, what were you doing? Speeding. So, well, yeah, I gathered that there, because there's not many places in Clanton where 95 is good or 98, whatever I said. And then he looks at me and says, Well, I just, you know, I wasn't paying any attention. I said, Why were you going that fast anyway? I don't know. Okay. And a guy walked up and he said, Man, you ain't going to believe what happened, Kenny. Put up a shirt sleeve, two holes, got bit by a snake. I said, you stupid. Because I'm not compassionate when it comes to snakes. And he said, man, I was just going down the road and there was this beautiful snake outside. There ain't no such thing, bruh. And so he said, I pulled over, saw this big old snake, so I went out to get it. And he said, I reached down for it. When I did, man, that's the quickest snake I've ever seen. Kenny, I caught hundreds of snakes. That one got me, though. And I was like, why? Why would you? <laughs> no shoulders. I mean, that was like the Garden of Eden. There was something that walked in and slithered out. It's evil. Why would you? Why? He's like, oh, no. Okay. Danger noodle. That's just knuckleheads, what that is. He's like, would, would you pray for me? I said, I'm going to have to think about that, man, because if you're dumb enough to do that, I don't know. I'm pray for something more than your snake bite. Talked to a young girl who's in a, an abusive relationship. And it was, it was difficult, and I sat there with her, and she talked about how she didn't have this, she didn't have this, she didn't have this in her life, and even though she knew the relationship she was in was bad, she said, at least I've got something, and it broke my heart, and I sat there with tears in my eyes, and I said, why? Why? And she said, I don't know. And I think a lot of times in our life, if someone confronts us with the sin that's in our life, and they say, why do you do this? I don't know. But hear me, a day will come when that answer won't suffice. Because as we say, I don't know, God will tell us exactly what we were thinking in the moment. Our desire to do what's right has to be greater than our desire not to do what's right. And a lot of times it's not that we're doing anything bad. Justin Cain, one of my dearest friends, pastor, uh, youth pastor at First Baptist Thorsby, he will always tell you, he says, I realized that I was a good kid, But I wasn't doing anything. I didn't do anything bad, but I didn't do anything. He said, all I did was play basketball and chase Bridget around. And he said, "And Bridget, she was the straight up, most straight up girl I'd ever met. So there was no way we were going to do something we shouldn't do. He said, I wasn't a bad kid, but I just really didn't do anything. And at some point, God's going to look at him and go, but why didn't you? When I blessed you with the gift of my son when I bless you with the gift of eternal life, when I gave you the Holy Spirit to needle you and tap you on the shoulder, you need to talk to her, you need to talk to him. Why didn't you? And looking into God's eye, I don't know who's not going to cut it. At some point, there has to be something greater. In Romans chapter 7, at verse 14, we're not going to read the whole passage there because it can get really confusing, but here's what we want to read. Verses 14 and 15, it says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And that brings us back to our song. If we look at the lyrics of this, it says, This would be... Maybe you singing this part to God or saying this part to God, God, you are my fire, my one desire. Believe me, God, when I say that I want it that way, I want it to be the way that you want it to be because you are God and I am not and you love me. So I want to show you that I love you. I do love you and I want it to be the way you want it to be. The next word in this song is but and there's a big old but that messes a lot of stuff up in this world. And as we look at this, it says, but we are two worlds apart. I can't reach to your heart when you say that I want it that way. God, I know you're telling me this, but we're so far apart. God, there's so much more going on. Yeah, when I'm at, when I'm at crossroads or if I'm in my personal devotion, everything's fine. When I go to a camp, I'm surrounded by you. But, but God, right now, I feel so distant from you. I haven't even picked up my Bible in three months. I don't even know where it is. I can't tell you the last time I prayed if it wasn't over a test or the police pulling up behind me. I'm so far from you, God. We're we're worlds apart. And I can't reach that heart that you have because I know in my heart what your heart's saying, but I just can't do that. When you say I want it that way, I just can't do that. And it ends up making us have a heartbreak. There's something in our heart that will begin to hurt because we realize that we have failed the one thing that would never fail us. We have chosen not to follow where God is leading us. When I hear this song, that's what I get in my mind. The fact that God has said, you know what? You're my fire. And I'm God. If I'm big enough to create everyone, I'm big enough to love everyone individually. And every bit of love that I have is given to you. You can't do that, humans. You can't do that. You can love your spouse as much as you can, but you cannot love your child the same way. There's, there's a different love. You can love your friends, but you, you can't love your, your pet the way you love your friends. There's a different kind of love. There's only a certain amount of love that you can extend towards someone. But God says, I love you beyond what you can imagine. It's that agape love that is all-encompassing. It is nothing can stop it. It's unconditional That's what my love is for you individually. That's why you're my fire. That's why I sent my son. So that relationship would become your desire. But it comes back to what are we going to feed? Are we going to feed the right side or the wrong side? Which way do you want it? Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Lord, just getting to hang out with these students and adults for a little bit. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Uh, go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find links to all my social media. Or, hey, just stop by and see me sometime. West End Baptist Church in Clanton, Alabama. Or you can come on a Wednesday night to Crossroads. Love for you to come be a part of what God is doing here. And again, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.